Robert Joseph Tennyson, Bobby to those who knew him best, was a 37-year-old from Keys, California. He was the father of four and worked in construction. On January 19, 2009, he went north with his son and a friend to Alder Point, California, to sell a motorcycle. He told the two he'd take the bus home after collecting a debt. He was never seen again. I'm Ed Denzel, and this is Unfound. Dead Man's Curve, Skull Island, The Forbidden Forest, Dark City. These are the scary names of places you've heard of. They come from a song, a couple of movies, and a book. I only listed four, but there are hundreds if not thousands of names like this from all cultures and languages. Yet, they are all fictional. Yes, there may be a curve in a road somewhere that's caused fatal accidents and I'm guessing there is an island out there that has a skull on it. But they all came from an author's, a songwriter's, or an artist's mind. All for the purposes of adding intrigue, mystery, and suspicion to the story they're trying to tell. I bring this up because in the case of Bobby Tennyson, he vanished from an area of California where disappearances are common. In fact, Unfound has visited this area before with the episode on Jeff Joseph. It is a real place that seemingly continues to earn its sinister name from the locals. The question is, did Bobby perish there, or did something else happen up on Murder Mountain? And now a summary of the case. This is brought to you by my friend Megan Goodsight, charlieproject.org. Bobby Tennyson was a happy-go-lucky guy from Keys, California. He had four sons by two different women and was close with his mother. Starting in his early 20s, he became a carpenter and somewhat of a jack-of-all-trades. In fact, in certain circles, he was known as Bob the Builder. And starting in his early 30s, Bobby began making trips to Northern California for work, mostly to the area of Alder Point. He made many friends there, and they allowed Bobby to stay in their homes while he was there. So on January 19, 2009, there were no concerns as Bobby... His son Robert and friend Andrew took Andrew's motorcycle to Alder Point to be sold to someone Bobby knew. The sale went off without a hitch. Bobby then showed his son and friend around the town before parting company. Bobby told them he'd be back to Keys in a couple days after collecting a debt. He claimed to take the bus back, something he'd done many times before. According to later accounts, Bobby then went to a friend's house and was picked up by another guy he knew. After this, Bobby was never seen again. The investigation of Bobby's disappearance has been hampered by the following issues. Number one, no one to this day knows who owed Bobby money. Number two, the brother of a person of interest in Bobby's disappearance is a murderer. And number three, a suicide note that allegedly reveals what happened to Bobby has never been allowed to be viewed by the Tennyson family. 
Bobby's family does not believe the story of the last person to see Bobby. They believe foul play was involved. The interview for this episode is with Bobby's cousin, Tammy Lankford. Unfound news. No new news this week due to me recording this episode almost immediately after last week's program due to me traveling to Orlando earlier this week. So look for new news next week. Got that? Where you can find Unfound. Unfound is on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, iTunes, Podomatic, Stitcher, Podbean, and Spotify. Concerning Facebook, please join us on Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern for the Unfound live show on the Unfound page. And I also need to thank, once again, all of those people using the Podomatic app. The email address, unfoundpodcast at gmail.com. The website, unfoundpodcast.com. The website at Trib Total Media, triblive.com forward slash news forward slash unfound. Unfound has a Patreon account, patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast. You automatically get access to the private Unfound blog and you get a free ebook with a $2 per month contribution. The PayPal account, unfoundpodcast at gmail.com. Unfound merchandise, volumes 1, 2, 3, and 4 on Amazon in both paperback and ebook form. If you've bought them, please give them some nice reviews. The playing cards at makeplayingcards.com. Just do a search for Unfound. Search for almost all of Unfound's cases at myshopify.com. And please mention Unfound on all true crime Facebook pages and other websites and forums. Thank you. I'm so happy to have on this episode of Unfound the cousin of Bobby Tennyson, Tammy Lankford. Tammy, welcome to Unfound. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Let's start here. Uh, I, I'm guessing we don't have too many cousins on Unfound, so tell the listeners how you are related to Bobby, and then we'll go from there. Uh, well, Bobby is my cousin. Uh, his mother and my mother are siblings, and we grew up together in the same town, went to school together in the same classrooms, and we're really close growing up. Okay, so you weren't just cousins, but you were even... I guess, close to the same age. Yeah, we're a year apart, but we were in the, um, eventually ended up in the same grade. Okay, so you, you knew him very well. You grew up with him. That, was, that must have been nice. It was. And this is in Keys, California? Yes. How do you uh, remember Bobby? Uh, of course, you... I guess knew him from a very young age. What are some of the words uh, that you'd use to describe Bobby? And um, maybe you can give the listeners maybe a cer- certain event or something that um, something that you and Bobby shared and experience uh, for the listeners. Can you do that? Yeah, I can do that. Um, Bobby was a, a big-hearted person uh, with a you know easygoing personality. He was funny, liked to joke. Uh, he was a hard worker. Um, worked since we were young, um, you know, enjoyed family, friends, and, and just kind of, you know, easy, you know, easygoing, uh, laid back lifestyle, basically. Um, we were friends, you know, more than just cousins, we were friends. He was one of my closest friends growing up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he was the kind of person who was protective of those that he cared about and, uh, you know, always 
kind of there to, to make sure things were, were going well, you know, when you were out. And we used to ride our bikes together. When I got older, I had, you know, a little scooter, motorized scooter. We used to ride that around town all the time together, you know, just hanging out and, you know, just being kids. And, um, sure. You know, one of the things that was always, you know, I just kind of laugh about, you know, looking back is because we got, our school here was really little. So when we went into high school, we had to go into a larger school. And I can remember being new to that school and, you know, meeting new people. And, you know, you're at that age where you're starting to want to date and things like that. And it wasn't until years later that I found out that he was telling people, no, like, they couldn't date me, that kind of stuff. Ah. Like, that's how he was. So he was, like, a little bit protective of you. No guy was good enough for you, I guess, Tammy. Kind of, in a way, yeah. Like, he, but that's how he was with, with us, with his cousins, you know, that were close to him and stuff. So it was like funny. It's like a joke when I look back now, and I'm like, oh well, gee, I would have liked to have that decision myself. But but that's kind of how he was, you know. He just a, a very caring person. That's a very cool story. Thank you for sharing that, Tammy. Very nice. Um, did he, Bobby, have brothers and sisters that you knew uh, well as well? Yes, um, Bobby has two brothers um, with his mom. And then he has um, another brother and two sisters from a biological father as well. Okay. Okay. So some brothers, some sisters. And did you know them as well as you knew Bobby? Or did you and he kind of have a special bond being that you were around the same age? Um, some of them siblings are close to our age as well. Okay. Um, and yes, they all lived here in the same town. So we were all close. Okay. Okay, in Keys, California, uh, not a very big town, not a big city yeah, at all. Very small. Very small. Just to give the listeners an idea, roughly how many um, students were in your graduating class in your high school, would you say? Uh, well, we had to go to high school out, outside of Keys. We had to go to high school in Turlock, but um, gosh, back then I'm not even sure how many were in there. Okay. But probably less than, less than 500. Okay. Okay. All right. So he has a, you two are very close high school and your teenage years and he has some brothers and some sisters. And what happens maybe when you get into your twenties, uh, I'm from my notes here. I know he got into, I don't know if you call it home building or being a carpenter. In fact, he was known as Bob the builder must've been good with his hands in building things. Yeah, well, he, as I got into my 20s, I was working and putting myself through college. And he, he didn't go to college. He was just working and, you know, uh, you know eventually started having children and, and things. So our lives were a little bit different until our 20s. But, okay. um, but we still lived here in the same town and stuff. Didn't necessarily see each other every day because, you know, life happens. Sure. Uh, he, he did work in the construction industry for, for years. Um, as far as being called uh, Bob the Builder, that was something that was not here. You're like, we didn't oh, okay. a, a name that someone else gave him, you know, later. Okay. Um, now, you said that uh, he had kids, and one of his sons is going to play a prominent part uh, in this uh, interview, in this episode. Um, how many children uh, did he have? Was uh, Bobby married? Um, did he get divorced? Um, what was going on in there with his life? Yeah, he wasn't married, but he did have four sons um, by two different women. 
I, his oldest son, he had when he was young, like in his early 20s. And mm. then um, later he had three more children uh, with his um, girlfriend, significant other, uh, you know, for several years. Uh, so they all lived here in the same town. So they're, all four of his boys were here. Okay. And I should mention that I Bobby was born uh, the same year I was, 1970, but he disappeared in 2009. So he was roughly 38, 39 years old at the time of his disappearance. Um, Bobby was born in 71. 71. Huh. Yeah. Well, the the information I have here, he was born in 1970. Well, that's interesting. Uh, the listeners show that uh, Tammy and I have not talked about that particular fact before okay because i have his birth date here is september 11th coincidentally 1970 are you saying it's 1971 yes okay well that is interesting i'll have to get to the bottom of that okay so he was roughly then 38 when he disappeared correct okay so he had four sons uh 38 years old um, grew up born and grew up in Keys, California. You're his cousin, but you were best friends. He was looking out for you. Um, you kind of took different paths, but I'm sure you still were friends. Uh, you going to school, him starting a family. Now, where did the connection to Humboldt County and Alder Point uh, get started? And the listeners should know that these areas are roughly about five hours north of Keys, California. How did that all start? Do you have any idea? What I know of that, um, I don't know the exact year that he started going up there, but um, there were um, people that used to live here in Keys that he was friends with. So we, you know, I didn't hang out with them, but they, they were a little bit younger than me. But they um, grew up here and they had moved up to that area, and he used to go up there. Um, that's who he knew up there and who he started going to see. And I think he later, you know, from going up there, had met other people up there and made friendships with people up there. Okay, so this would have been something after. Okay, so periodically, so this had been something that started like after high school, like you said, in his twenties, maybe when he started his family, yeah, somewhere, somewhere around that time. Uh, the the best I can guess is it was, may have been somewhere around two thousand and five that he was oh. going up there. It could have been earlier than that, but I couldn't really pin down. Okay, so. Okay, so much later than possibly in his 20s. Okay. So he started going up there, Humboldt County, new people that grew up in Keys that had moved up there. And we just maybe should just put this on the record right now um, because this is a, a, a topic that's come up um, before on this, uh, on Unfound with a variety of uh, disappearances that we've covered. In fact, one in particular with Jeff Joseph is it possible, and we're not here to judge, Bobby might have been involved in some marijuana growing up in Humboldt County in that area, got involved in that at some time. Is it possible? Yes, it's possible. Okay. But it sounds to me, if we're to believe that he didn't start going up there until the 2000s, maybe that was something that was relatively new uh, to him, possibly. Possibly. I, I really don't know a whole lot about that. Okay. Um, just uh, a couple people uh, that we need to mention right at this point. We're going to be mentioning a lot of different names. So listeners may um, have to try to keep all of these people straight in their heads. But the Gans, their last name is G-A-N-N, -N, Virginia and Dustin. Uh, who are they? 
Um, I don't know them personally, but they are people who live up there that he was friends with. And mm-hmm. he, he would go up there and uh, stay with them. He would stay with them, so he must have gotten to know them pretty well. Yeah, I would think so. Otherwise, okay. I don't believe he would have stayed with them. Right. Okay. Um, are these a couple of the people that might have been originally from Keys, or do you believe that they are yeah, – they're no, not from they're Keys? Not from, no. Okay. And Virginia – uh, and Dustin, are they close in age to Bobby, or is Virginia? Virginia is Dustin's mother. Is she like a lot older than Bobby, and Dustin's younger? Do you know? I don't know. Okay. All right. Had you ever uh, heard of their names at any point before Bobby disappeared? No, I had not. Okay. Um. So he'd been going up there. He disappeared in 2009. Let's just say that he'd been going up there. Um, and you, we'd mentioned earlier Bob the Builder. It was actually him going up to this area of Humboldt County, Alder Point, is the people up there who actually kind of gave him that nickname. Correct. Okay. That's where he got that nickname. Not in Keys, but up in that area. So he's going up there, um, but mainly he was staying down in Keys. What was he doing? Uh, in, I guess it would have been in his 30s between, let's say, 2000 and 2009. What was his official work around the Keys area? Um, he'd always been in the construction industry, but at the time, I don't believe he was currently employed when he left. When he disappeared. Okay. 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 Um, and I realize that, and the listeners have to realize, and we'll get into this a little bit more deeply later, is that um, although you. Um, were friends with Bobby, very close to him at one time and everything, that a lot of these things about this disappearance you didn't find out till afterwards. In fact, you didn't even know that he went missing until like five weeks after he went missing. That's correct. All right. We're going to end the listeners. We're going to talk about that in a little bit and why that might have been. Uh, but what you know now um, – in 2018, uh, was he having any, any problems up there uh, with anyone? Um, was he ever threatened? And in, in our last conversation, there was a rumor that maybe somebody had said for him uh, not to go up there again in like December of 2008. And of course, he disappeared in January of 2009. Um, anything to that? We'll get a little bit deeper, but was he having any problems up there to your knowledge that you've heard about? No, and that's what made the whole thing odd. Um, okay. But you know, there, a, lot, a lot of rumors go around and said that was something that was said that someone had came here and told him not to come there. But nobody ever can tell you who, you know, like why or any details to it. So it's hard to know. Like, was that true or was it false? Okay. Um, once again, I realize you weren't, you know, automatically keeping tabs on him by the time he got into his thirties, but. From what you know now, how often do you think he was going up to uh, the hum- Humboldt County in maybe the months before he disappeared? Maybe once a month or once every two months? How often do you think he was going up there? Um, you know, I'm really not certain, but I don't. I think maybe he only went up there like a couple times a year. Like maybe, I don't know, I'd say maybe three or four times a year, if that. Three or four but times a year. Yeah, I don't think, I mean, it wasn't, I don't think it was like monthly or anything like that. Okay. And so he's going up there and the belief is that when he would go up there, he would stay with 
new variety of people up there, but uh, Dustin and Virginia Gann were two of the more prominent people uh, that he might stay with, that he was friends with uh, when he'd go up there. Yeah, but they're the only only people that I, of course, I don't know any other people up there either, but they're the mm. only people I was aware of that he would stay. You know, that's mm. where he would go. Okay. How were things going for if he, I mean, you said he was unemployed, but he had four kids. I mean, was he a little tight for money, do you think, in possibly the year before he disappeared? What, what do you think? Well, I, I'm sure him, he was living with his parents, mm-hmm. and he had separated from his girlfriend, and her and her children were living, I think, at the time with her parents. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, they were going through some some struggles. So he was having some issues, um, but uh, to your knowledge, I know he might have been in the marijuana business going up there, but to your knowledge, did Bobby have any addictions, any drug addictions, any alcohol addictions, anything that you know might have otherwise gotten him in, him in trouble? Um, anything's possible. I mean, I'm not going to act like he's never, mm. you know, done a drug in his life because he has. But as far as, I mean, he's not he's not an alcoholic or anything like that. Okay. Well, I guess what I'm asking is, uh, the you know, here are some of the drugs that often pop up in the missing persons cases that I cover: a meth addiction, addiction to opiates like heroin or prescription medication. Anything like that, to your knowledge, that you've ever heard about regarding Bobby? No. Okay. All right. Let's go to that day, January 19th, uh, 2009. Uh, Nothing, once again, not seemingly anything unusual uh, going on. Maybe some rumors out there that I think we'll get into later. But we come to January 19th, 2009. And... For the listeners, just tell them um, what you've been able to discover about um, him going up there. He went up there with his son, Robert, and we're going to continue to call Bobby Bobby, but he has a son whose name is Robert. And then there's this friend, Andrew. Um, Just describe uh, what happened that day, January 19th, 2009. Okay, well, from what I've been told, Bobby had... um, knew somebody who was interested in purchasing a dirt bike that, that Andrew owned. And so Bobby, Andrew, and Robert got up in the morning, early in the morning, and drove from here uh, up to um, Humboldt to Alder Point to sell the dirt bike. Um, they went up there, uh, sold the bike, uh, had went uh, by Bobby, kind of took them and showed them places, you know, like kind of where he goes, like, Right there, like mm-hmm. the where Virginia's house was, where Dustin's house was, and sure. uh, kind of showed him showed him another place where he had um, built like a little addition onto someone's uh, like I guess I think it was a tree there, but he built like a little addition a little room on there, and so he was just kind of showing them kind of what he you know what he did when he was there. Um, they had lunch while they were there, and then uh, Andrew and Robert uh, came back, and Bobby stayed, and he told them he would be back in a few days. And he never, at that point, that was the last time any of us heard from him. And did he give, I mean, being that one of these people is his son, and let's just maybe, how old was uh, his son Robert at the time that this happened, roughly? 
I want to say maybe, I think he might have been about 16. All right, so a young kid. Okay, so yeah, was, at least... Please. Oh, I was going to say he was. He was, he was a teenager. Okay, so he wasn't quite of age, like 18 or anything. So 16 might have still been maybe just getting into high school. And then this friend, Andrew, we're not going to use his last name. Um, Andrew, how old do you think he he is or was at the time, I should say? I don't know exactly, but I would say early 20s because he's, he's not, he's fairly young himself. Okay. And this would have been somebody Bobby, this Andrew is somebody Bobby knew or somebody that his son Robert knew? Um, he actually, he has lived here his whole life as well, so everybody knows him. Oh, um, every families are like, connected. Okay. So two guys, Bobby goes up there with two guys, obviously he trusts his son and this guy, Andrew, who's been around um, Keys his whole life. Andrew has a motorcycle to sell. They, um, And it was Bobby who found the buyer. Correct. All right, so they drive up there five hours sell this motorcycle maybe a little far to go to sell a motorcycle but we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later um bobby shows them around but then he says he's going to stay up there and robert and andrew come back to keys did bobby give them any reason as to why he was going to be staying there and, and when did he say he'd be coming back uh, my understanding is that he was staying there because he was going to collect money that somebody there owed him hmm. I, I don't know who owed him or, or even why but he had said he would return he was supposed to take the bus back in, in a few days in a few days so it wasn't going to be later that day or maybe even the next day maybe january 20th maybe it could have been january 21st that he'd be coming back on the bus yeah i don't think he had a, an actual set day he was just gonna okay. like It'll be a few days and be back, so it would have been like less than a, you know, less than a week. Okay. Uh, from what you know now, once again, nine years later, just from your own personal knowledge, do you think it was a surprise to Robert and Andrew uh, that Bobby was going to step there? Is that something he said before they got up there, or was that something that seemed like spur of the moment when they already got there? No, I think they knew he was going to stay. I okay. think that was part of the reason why they drove up there. Okay, so... You know, he got intended to stay. Okay, so kind of uh, killing maybe you could say two birds with one stone. Hey, I have to go up there to collect money, and then I also found this guy who would buy your motorcycle. We'll just So Bobby gets a ride up there with his son, some good time with his son, hanging out, Andrew, and then they'll come back, and then Bobby comes back a couple days later. Um to your knowledge, was it normal for Bobby to ride the bus, maybe going up and back? Yeah. Pretty pretty standard? Yeah. Okay. He didn't have a car, yeah, so mm -hmm. that was kind of, that's how he, that's how he, he would go there and come back. Okay. I think sometimes he may have rode up with friends uh, that were going that way, and he uh, didn't take the bus back, but pretty much that's how he would, he would get there. Sure, and... He was doing Andrew a favor by, by finding somebody who would buy Andrew's uh, motorcycle. So, all right, so he did the guy a favor. Um, you had already said, he said that he maybe needed to collect some debt, maybe he did some work up there, somebody was going to pay him, but even to this day in 2018, we don't know who that person is, and in fact, 
maybe that wasn't it might be true but being if we don't know who the debtor is uh it's hard to say we don't know who he who owed bobby money that's correct we didn't okay so he said he'd come back later and of course he never came back um when did bobby's family maybe his son robert maybe somebody else maybe his parents um start to get a little worried that Bobby hadn't come back. Did they try to, did they anybody that they could have called up there? Did Bobby have a cell phone? What went on in those following days, January, maybe let's say 20, 21st, 22nd? Yeah. Um, from what I was told, um, you know, a few days went by, they hadn't heard from him. He hadn't come. He, he didn't have a cell phone. So it wasn't like anybody could call him. Okay. Um, but, uh, what ended up happening was after, I think it was about a week or so, like during that first week when he should have been back, um, Virginia actually had called my aunt and uh, asked if he had came home, like if he was here. Hmm. And uh, that's how, like, what really put my aunt on, like, alert because the people she thought he was staying with didn't know where he was. Okay, so... What you're saying is nobody called up there, but you're saying Virginia Gann from up in Humboldt County slash Alder Point actually called Bobby's mother to say that she hadn't seen him. Huh. I don't think I knew that until this second. Okay, well, that was considered of her. So she had seen him and then hadn't seen him in a couple days. And, of course, Bobby's mother said, no, he's not come back. Um, What happened from there? Um, at first, not a lot. Um, my aunt, when he still didn't come back, she started calling, you know, different family members asking, like, if he, you know, like maybe he'd came to their place or something. And then, um, like I said, I have family that's back east, and she had actually called out there and asked if he had came there because his biological father lives out there. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he wasn't there. And, um, one of my cousins who lived out there actually called me and was like, hey, you know, what's, what's going on? Have you, you know, like, heard, like, what's going on? Because she called out here looking for him. And that mm-hmm. was when I started, you know, to ask questions. And that was when I went over and um, touched my aunt and found out that he he never made it back. And she didn't know what had happened to him. And at that point, she had already contacted the Humboldt County Sheriff's Department mm-hmm. and let them know that he was missing. And although I don't think a whole lot um, happened in that time frame, uh, it, it took a while to get the, the ball rolling for them to really consider him missing. At first, they, you know, they would say things like, um, you know, it's not illegal for an adult male to not want to be found. Right. You know, that kind of stuff. We hear that a lot. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's a common thing you hear with, you know, other families that have missing people as well. Um, so it took a while before they actually, I think, really considered him missing. Okay. And then, um, if I let's uh, let me if yeah. I may just jump in there for just a moment. Sure. Um, so Virginia calls uh, Bobby's mother. She has her phone number somehow, and then uh, Bobby's mother starts calling around to see if anybody else has seen Bobby in the Keys, California area. Nobody has, of course. Nobody's heard from him. Um, and then at what point after January 19th, 2009, would you say uh, that the, the, the missing persons report was filed up in Humboldt County? I mean, how many weeks did that take? 
I'll say, well, that's where things get a little bit skewed. So my aunt who has messaged that, you know, talked to them and then has had an email correspondence. Uh, let me just jump in there. When you say, when you say your aunt, you mean Bobby's mother. Correct. Okay. Bobby's mother. Okay. Please continue. So Bobby's, Bobby's mother has, you know, in her mind reported him missing because she's spoke to them. She's yeah. emailed with them. She's you know, sending emails saying, have you heard anything about my son? You know, that, that she's thinking he's listed as missing and like she did what she's supposed to do. So when I became aware that he was missing and I had went over to talk to her, um, I started asking questions and was like, okay, so there's a copy of the missing persons report. And she thought, what do you mean? He said, well, if they made a report, they should have given you a copy with a case number and, you know, things like that. True. So she, she emails back and asks for a copy of that report. And at that time, she gets told, you have to file the missing persons report in the county that he lived in. Hmm. Mind you, this was like already like in February sometime, I think it was. Right. And uh, so several weeks later, I think towards the end of February. Anyway, um, so she had to go down to Stanislaus County and make a, a missing person report. And of course, there's really not much in it other than a description of them and mm. where he supposedly went missing from. So I know in the very beginning, um, when one of the newspaper articles came out, one of the reporters had questioned, well, why does it show he wasn't missing until, like, I think it said, like, March 9th or something like that up there? And I said, <laughs> good question. Right. So I think. Yeah, I didn't understand why they didn't tell her that in the beginning, and I never really understood why it took so long to consider him missing and to go out and actually talk to any of these people that lived there. Sure it, it, it was just hard to um, understand that, you know. Right. And, and my aunt was, as you can imagine, pretty upset and emotional at the time. I bet. So, and that was kind of when I started helping her because it was difficult for her to try to have these conversations, and and it's still difficult for her this day to talk about it. I bet. So the the problem you have is that uh, once again the missing persons report uh, wasn't filed until maybe late February. Let's just say maybe February twentieth or something after that. And on top of that, you're filing the missing persons report in. Keys, California, which is an entirely different county than where Bobby was technically last seen. Correct. Okay. Yeah, that makes it all very difficult. Long time later and then in a completely different area. Uh, why was it that you personally, if you're part of the family, didn't find out that Bobby was missing for so long? Um, so, okay. First of all, like life just kind of goes on. You know, I work full time, have a mm. family, you know, very busy, busy stuff. I don't typically spend a lot of time, you know, hanging out, socializing with mm-hmm. everybody, um, you know, like during during the weeks and things like that. So, like, I wouldn't see him sometimes, like if I'm driving to the school or whatever, if we bump into each other, we always would say hey and talk and stuff. But I didn't necessarily spend a lot of time hanging out. Um, Without going into a whole lot of detail, there's been, mm-hmm. uh, you know, family issues through our years of growing up that were, we don't always, not everybody sits around and, and visits with mm-hmm. each other a lot. Right. So, okay. Be- because I don't personally go over there all the time, it's probably why I didn't know, you know, so. Okay. 
wasn't like I bumped into them and they were like, oh, hey, or like, I don't know why nobody told me, though. Like, I, okay. I don't. All right, that's fine. I guess I have to ask because, you know, I know me personally, I live in an area, I have a brother who lives kind of close to me, 15, 20 minutes away, but my parents and a lot of the family that I grew up with still live in Pennsylvania. I live in Florida, but I think that if, you know, one of my cousins, uh, you know, disappeared, I think I would find out about it fairly quickly, even though I'm like 1,300 miles away. That's all, that's all the reason I'm asking. It wasn't like they were withholding it from you. It just didn't come up, and you weren't around them. Yeah, I think honestly what's happened is, like, in the very beginning, my body's mother was, one, she's distraught. Yeah. Like an emotional, like, sure. she, she, part of her doesn't want to believe that, that he's really missing. And, and the other part of her is trying to rationalize the fact that he probably is. So um, I think what happened was she, she just, in her way, had to deal with it before she started actually, like, verbalizing it or putting it like putting truth to the fact that he really was missing and then for me when i when she reached out to my other side of the family which is you know like where his biological dad was and stuff i knew like at that point it had to be like something really wrong you know like she wouldn't contact them looking to see if he was there if unless she had to okay all right I got, I got it. Uh, let me ask you this: uh, When did and what's the name of the county where Keys is? Stanislaus County. Okay. When did they eventually? Did they eventually contact Humboldt County, or how did that all work? Um, I don't know how that worked. I'm sure they did because I think what happened was once she went, she did my Bobby's mother, my aunt. Mm-hmm. She went and filed the report and stuff, and then I think. Then they had to then turn around and submit that report over to Humboldt County is how I think it worked. And I think that's probably why um, Humboldt County shows uh, like a date or somewhere around the ninth of March of him being listed. Right. I've seen that. Because that's how long it took to get, you know, she had, my aunt first had to be told the report is missing over here. And then from there, they had to take that report and submit it over there. So it was a long roundabout way of getting it officially done but she had been talking to humboldt county since like the end of january beginning of february okay all right so okay well good so they eventually find out about bobby's disappearance in their area and so they end up um maybe maybe questioning some people and that's going to take us to the next part of this being that virginia gann uh called uh, Bobby's mother to kind of get this ball rolling. Um, the police did talk to her son Dustin, um, who I think like lived. They didn't live together, but he lived maybe across the street or something from her. Um, they That's did did it. Okay. And what did Dustin have to say about that day, January nineteenth? He actually saw Bobby. After Robert and Andrew already started driving back to Keys, what did Dustin have to say? Um, he he said that um, obviously they knew he had seen him because they left him there. Um, but he had said that he didn't know what like what happened to Bobby. Mm-hmm. But he that he had left to go to another property with um, a man named Chris Harrison, and that um, he went. 
I think the place is, in, is considered guardable. And that, you know, he left with him and he didn't see him again after that. Okay. Well, that's some, all right. So that's some helpful information. Dustin, uh, you know, coming forward, uh, do you, are you aware of Dustin? E? I mean, if his mother kind of was looking for Bobby, then I'm guessing maybe Dustin might have been a little concerned about not seeing Bobby as well. Do you even know? I don't know. I've never spoke to, to either of them. I only know um, just minor information that law enforcement shared with me. Okay, that's fine. Uh, and there was uh, something in Virginia's house of Bobby's. What was it? Uh, anything in it? Uh, my understanding was his bag that he had brought there was left at her home, and it was later given to law enforcement. Um, I mm. believe it was Dustin who gave it to them. Okay. Uh, and they said it was mostly empty. There was almost nothing in it. Okay, so um, who knows what he may have been carrying, or maybe he was planning to carry something in it. We just don't know. Um, but it was found, would you say that this was something like a backpack, something like that? Yeah, like a small duffel bag is my understanding. Okay, good. So, uh, this bag is there, doesn't really lead anywhere, but that's not unusual because, uh, Bobby had gone to Virginia and Dustin's houses. He knew them being the bags. There's not too unusual maybe. And then Dustin gives this key piece of information about this guy, Chris Harrison, who is uh, Chris Harrison, and did the police talk to him, and what do you have to say? My understanding is that, um, and it took several weeks before any of this happened, but that they did speak with him. Mm -hmm. um, and the email that I had gotten from the original officer was that they had um, spoken with him, uh, him being Chris Harrison, and that he had told them that um, he, him and Bobby had left Dustin and went to the property that was there um, in Garberville, uh, which is located, my understanding is, on Rancho Sequoia Drive, I believe is what it's called, and it's the place they refer to as Murder Mountain. So, Murder uh, Mountain, just so we're clear, Murder Mountain. Correct. Okay. So um, the story that he had, the detectives had relayed was that um, Chris Harrison had said that they went there and that um, they had taken acid that Bobby brought there himself and that he had become panicked and wanted to see Dustin and so he left and left him alone and went to go get Dustin and that um, when they returned, they couldn't find him and he had wandered off on his own uh, under the influence. Under the influence of acid, so LSD, like a, a psychotherapy psychotropic drug i guess is what you'd call it i guess okay um that felt very strange to me because that wasn't something um that i knew that he was doing so it, it didn't feel right to me okay and just so we're clear chris harrison says he left and actually went and got dustin gan dustin that we've already talked about a couple times he said he went back to dustin's then came back Is that right? Okay. And, and Dustin, in his original statement to the police, didn't say anything about that, did he? I don't know what he has or hasn't mm. said. Okay. Um, and I know that they, they did talk to him a few times, but mm -hmm. they don't give me all of the details. Okay. But once again, D Dustin, in what you know, he said to the police, he said that Chris just picked Bobby up and that was that. 
but then Chris is saying that Chris did pick Dustin up, but then Chris came back to Dustin's and got him as well. So their their stories conflict maybe at least a little bit. That's all I'm that's all I'm trying to show here. Okay. Yeah, I think what he meant was that he hadn't seen physically seen Bobby again from that point. Okay. I think it's what he was meaning. Okay. And to your knowledge, being that uh, to believe Chris that Bobby walked off into the forest of Northern California and never came back. Did Chris ever file a missing persons report himself? Did he ever call anybody to say, you know what, Bobby went out last night and never came back? Anything like that, to your knowledge? No. No, he did not. Okay. To your, none of them did. Okay, none of them did. And uh, is Chris saying that anybody else, I mean, he already brought Dustin into this. Do you, to your knowledge, was there anybody else at this place who could have seen Bobby just walk off out into nowhere? No, um, there's been no mention of anybody else. Um, okay. In his statement, he didn't mention anyone else. Huh. And I don't know that anyone else. Okay. To your knowledge, uh, Chris Harrison, did he ever give any reason why he didn't eventually alert somebody that Bobby uh, never came back? To your knowledge. No. No. Okay. Um, and, um, and so there weren't any other people there. Um, did Chris, being the Bobby brought up about somebody owing him money, any idea if, if Chris was the one who in particular owed Bobby this money? Or could it have been Dustin or Virginia that no owed Bobby this money? Any ideas regarding any of that? No, I mean, at this point, it really could have been anybody. We, okay. we don't know. Okay. Uh, but you do know that the police, of course, did talk to Chris, and that was his statement. That was his statement. Um, did they ever try to give Chris uh, a lie detector test or a little tougher interrogation um, back at that time? Uh, yeah, my understanding is that they tried, and he opted not to take it. All right. He opted out of taking a lie detector test regarding the disappearance of Bobby. Correct. Okay. Now, you did tell me that Chris did do something else though uh after bobby disappeared he kind of went on a vacation where'd he go and do you know for how long um well i only know like, a little bit of information about that um, what happened was um several years into this like, i think it was 2014 um, mm -hmm. a different detective started working on it um and they actually had um uh how do i want to say this they had went out with a uh, search warrant to the property mm -hmm. and at that point um we had been told that he he was no longer living at that residence that he had left and went to uh, hawaii uh, i guess he had a sister living there huh. my understanding was he was over there at that time and that's he where he was in 2000 and he came back but uh my understanding was that chris harrison who seemingly was one of the last people to see Bobby, uh, went to Hawaii not long after Bobby disappeared. I was thinking at least within the year of 2009. Is that is that possible or not possible? Any ideas regarding that? No, I, I think he stayed He stayed in the area for, okay. for a while. I don't know what year he actually went to Hawaii, but he didn't stay there. He, ended up, he came back. Okay. 
Um, so he stayed in long enough to deny a lie, lie detector, uh, to, to deny taking a lie detector test, didn't want to do that, and at some point he got completely out of the area, and then at some point he came back from Hawaii, okay? Um, and we're going to talk a, a little bit about him, obviously, I don't know if this acid story holds up to scrutiny or not, but and being that he didn't call the cops, of course that's always going to make people a little suspicious, um, in that when you first or anybody in your family um, found out or heard about Chris Harrison, had they ever heard Chris uh, Chris's name um, before he kind of popped up on the radar? You know, um, Bobby's mother, maybe Bobby's son, maybe this Andrew guy. Had they ever heard the name Chris Harrison before? Um. Well. Previously, um, I guess apparently he, Chris Harrison had a nickname. People called him Four Beers. So they had heard that name before. Huh. Um, but it wasn't until like after his disappearance that we later found out who Four Beers was, that his, this was actually his name. All right. So that was his nickname. Four Beers was his name, his nickname. Yes. All right. Not three apparently beers, not five beers, but four beers. Correct. All right, that's fun. Oh, that's kind of funny. Okay, four beers, Chris Four Beers Harrison. Okay, so they knew him by his nickname, and then they find out his real name, and uh, he is definitely somebody that Bobby knew from all of his times going up to the area. Yeah, apparently so. I mean, okay. I I personally had never heard of him. But... Okay. Okay. I re- I realize that. I re- I, I yeah I realize that. Um. So. Let's get back to this, and this is where this is going to get uh, a little deeper, and it it has to do with this motorcycle. Let's not forget why Bobby was up there in the first place. He had rode up there with his, or ridden up there with his son, Robert, and this guy, Andrew, because of Andrew's uh, motorcycle that was going to be sold up in the Alder Point area. Um... I made the comment before that's a long way to go to sell a dirt bike. Is it possible there was more going on in this transaction before, besides the selling of this motorcycle? Um, at this point, I would say yes, it's possible. Okay. So there was something – because the motorcycle did exchange hands, but uh, as I've mentioned already, that's a long way to go, five hours to just sell, sell a dirt bike. Uh, especially, you know, how much could a dirt bike go for? So there's that. At the time that this dirt bike was sold in 2009, did anybody, even Andrew and Robert, know the name of the guy they sold the motorcycle to? No, because that was something I had been trying to figure out. You know, I was trying to, to figure out who they, you know, like who was actually there that day kind of thing. Okay. Um, but they didn't know. They couldn't remember the, the you know, they met more than one person while they were up there, and they mm. couldn't remember who the people were, and didn't honestly didn't seem like they knew uh, who the person was. All right. So this was a even though maybe it's going. I know what the listeners saying. Well, why would that matter? Well, you're going to find out here in a bit. But for a long time after 2009, nobody even knew who this bike was sold to. Okay, that's okay. Um, nobody knew who it was. That was another part of this mystery. Uh, but the motorcycle itself turned up 
in like 2011 or 2012. Uh, can you explain how that happened? Yeah, um, and actually, I, I want to make a correction. I think it was more like 2014 and 15 because it was after the new detective had started working on. The oh, okay. All right. In our previous conversation, you thought it was a little earlier than that, but now that you've had a chance to think about it, you're thinking it was maybe even three late years later after that. So 2014, 2015. Correct. Okay. So, all right. In 2014, 2015, please describe how the motorcycle that was sold in 2009 popped up again. Um, well, I was I had gotten a call from another cousin that lives back east, uh, who was friends with Andrew's name, and she was out there visiting on vacation, and she had mentioned that she had gotten a letter from a storage company that had said that um, the unit had been um, like defaulted on, like the person didn't pay their rent. Mm-hmm. And that this motorcycle that was registered to her was inside this unit. Huh. So I guess there must be some sort of wall or something that they have to notify the, the owner of mm-hmm. like an auto or whatever. So um, I had told my cousin, no, I need to ask her which, you know, who owned the unit, what, where was it, you know, how mm-hmm. to contact the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she had told her that she didn't know where it was and that she'd thrown the paper away. So Andrew's mother, the mother of the guy who sold this motorcycle, um, got this letter but didn't immediately notify anybody. Right. I mean, I guess no. she didn't. Okay. Didn't think it was important. Important at all. When that motorcycle was sold back in 2009, to your knowledge, I, I guess then that it was never registered. Being that right. Andrew Andrew's mother or his name was still on the title, um, that it was never registered after it was sold in 2009. So like five, six years later, nobody ever registered it. That's my understanding, yes. Okay. And to this day, do you even know who owned the st- storage unit where it was found? No. Okay. Any idea where uh, that bike is now? No, I imagine the, the storage unit probably went clearance to, to you know, sell it. Okay. Let me solve it. Okay. So we're still not clear uh, who bought the bike, but the bike popped up. But being that Andrew's mother um, didn't know the seriousness of this, she um, didn't let anybody know. Eventually, find out though, but the bike was long gone by then. So that was a little bit of the mystery. And we're going to solve the mist- that part of the mystery here in a bit. But I do want to talk about this. You had mentioned to me in our last conversation that there might have been – somebody might have given a Bobby a warning about coming back to Humboldt County uh, the last time that he was here uh, – there, uh, seemingly in December of 2008. Anything about this? Do we even know how this actually happened? Um, what can you um, say about it? Yeah, well, and again, this is just, as you're aware, a lot of mm, different things. A lot of rumors. Yes. Unable to be, you know, confirmed or, you know, sure. or even ruled out. But there, there have been people that had said that he was told not to go back up there. And that supposedly one of his friends who lived up there had came down here, had been in our area, and had told him not to come back up there. 
that that particular person doesn't hasn't spoke to the family and doesn't speak to us about it. So there's mm. no way to confirm or, or deny it. Okay. And Bobby is, since we've talked about him so extensively, of course, he is the topic of this episode. He never said anything to anybody about being afraid about going up there, ever getting warnings about staying away. Um, not that I'm aware of. No. And in fact, uh, I have to say, being that he went up there with his son, he surely would not have brought his son into what he thought might be a dangerous situation. You know, even yeah, if it, I, I don't believe he would have. Right. Even if it was just the harmless selling of a motorcycle. So not sure what to make of that at all. But like you said, in many of these cases, lots of rumors flying around. Lots of rumors. Um, you talked about this warrant that was served in 2014. Um, do you know why that popped up? What can you tell the listeners about? You've already mentioned it. Let's get a little more into that. Um, what motivated the cops to go uh, serve this warrant? Um, I, I don't know what the exact catalyst was for them to go there. I know at the time we'd gotten um, a new detective working on the case. Um, it had mm. sat seemingly kind of cold for a while. Um, you know, I, I know the whole thing with the dirt bike had popped up around this time with it resurfacing and, and that kind of thing. So I think it was all, there were several little things. Because you have to keep in mind that the discovery of that dirt bike in the mini storage was the only lead we'd had mm -hmm. at all. Right. And we weren't even able to do anything with it. Right. Um, so I, I think I think that was kind of why. Like the new person, fresh eyes, was looking at it, and he decided he wanted to take a chance and see if there was anything that he could find there. Okay. All right, so this warrant was served on the house that Chris Harrison lived in, allegedly the last uh, building that Bobby was seen in. Is that where the warrant was served? Correct. Correct. And you had already said that Chris uh, wasn't even living there at the time? No, he'd already, I guess, went to Hawaii or, or wherever he was staying at the time. Okay. Do you know, and I don't know if this was, I don't know if this would have been part of the warrant or not, but... You know, when this all popped up about Chris saying, well, you know, Bobby, you know, was on acid and he just stumbled off and yada, yada, yada. Did anybody ever organize any searches? Did anybody go out in any like four wheelers as that area? And I realize it's I mean, it's called Murder Mountain. Um, and I want to talk about that in a second. It has to probably be pretty thick. Everything. Anybody ever go out into the woods to even see maybe if Bobby just didn't slip, hit his head and die from the elements? Um, I don't believe so. I know in the beginning they, they claimed they being the individuals that knew him and were supposedly um, around him at the time said that you know, they had went and tried to look for him. Mm -hmm. I don't believe anybody ever looked for him, um, just like they never reported anything. So, okay. um, in the beginning, I would say no, there were no physical searches for him. Okay, no dogs. No volunteer searches like putting two hundred people together and walking in a line, you know, out from out from the house in a variety of directions. Nothing like that was ever done. No. Okay. All right. And when they served that warrant in two thousand fourteen, do you have any knowledge if you know they ever did? Did they bring in like a CSI team to like 
test any of the interior for blood? Did they bring in any dogs? Or was this just humans looking for stuff in the house? They didn't share all of that. Okay. Yeah. The uh, I have experience, as I've already mentioned, uh, with the Jeff Joseph case uh, from Humboldt County. And that what you're telling me does not surprise me at all. Uh, that, you know, they don't reveal a lot of these things. And in fact, with Jeff's disappearance, I really don't know how much work they've really done. I really, to this day, and I, of course, am still friends with uh, his sister, Vicky, who was the guest on that episode like a year and a half ago. Um, I would like to say, though, I'd like to say this. Um, mm-hmm. Although I was very unhappy with the way things were in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2014, when the other detectives started working on the case. I, I just like to say that it was all a whole different experience. Really? Good. And Good. yes. And and at that point that was the first time I felt like anybody did really did anything. Uh, or even tried to do anything. And he still to this day works on the case. So I, I just do Okay, I do good. Say that I know. All I, right, please. I see the, the story from other people, and and I know what people go through because in the beginning I felt the same way they did. But mm-hmm. I just want to say that there are people who actually want to do their job. All right, thank you for putting that on the record. That's good to hear. Thank you. Now we're going to start to tie all of this up. You're probably wondering, well, there's Chris Harrison, and then why are you talking about the bike? Well, eventually. Uh, and, and we don't know if this is a coincidence or not, but it's certainly a fact. Um, you, along with, of course, Bobby, the rest of Bobby's family, eventually did figure out who the motorcycle buyer was. And who was it? Uh, the motorcycle buyer was actually Zachary Harrison. Which and, Chris so Chris Harrison, the last guy to allegedly see Bobby, the buyer of the motorcycle was actually his brother, Zach. And to your knowledge, in all those years that the police were talking to Chris and Chris was out there and everything, uh, did he ever say anything about his brother being the purchaser of that bike? No, to my knowledge, it was never it was never mentioned. I don't even know if it was ever asked. Okay. Well, this is where it even gets, I guess, a little stranger. Is how did your family eventually figure out that Zach Harrison? was the buyer of the bike on January 19th, 2009. How'd you find that out? Uh, there were newspaper articles, um, you know, on the internet floating around um, about a, basically a manhunt that they were doing in the Humboldt area. And the person they were searching for was Zachary Harrison. And with the mugshot photo, um, Bobby's son saw the photo and said, I met that guy. He recognized, so, all right, so this happened in when? Last year. This happened last year. Or this year? Okay. The the incident that they were, obviously, Zachary Harrison in September of 17 murdered a man. He was running from law enforcement. Okay. So in 2018 is when we found out that he actually was the person that purchased the motorcycles. And you discovered that when uh, Bobby's son, Robert, who was there for the selling of the motorcycle, he recognized Zach Harrison's picture from one of the mugshot photos that Zach had because the police were looking for him. Correct. Wow. Can you describe the moment? Maybe I I know you are not Bobby's mother or um, 
but you are his cousin. You've been involved. You were you've been involved in this case for many years. Can you describe the moment where you were, what you were doing, you and you found out that uh, uh, a murderer was the guy, and he happened to be Chris Harrison's brother. Where were you, and how did that affect you? Um, I was actually in my aunt's living room. I went over and talked to her about something else, and um, she had told me that uh, Robert had been at her home and saw the article, because I'd actually shared the article on Facebook, mm-hmm. and he, that's when he'd seen it, and so she had told me. Um, so... At that point, I still wasn't certain he had actually purchased the bike, but I was certain that he had been there. So that uh-huh. was, you know, just a, a little interesting. It was like the first time they were actually able to, like, connect a couple dots, you know, like it really uh-huh. didn't lead anywhere other than to that mm-hmm. same day, you know. Mm-hmm. He didn't know anything really further, but it confirmed a few things. So All right. Like, okay, which I kind of feel like everything is like that. You, know, you might get a piece of information, and it feels good to get it, but then you still not really any further than you were before you had it. Okay, if that makes any sense. Okay, so the I guess then the best way to describe that day was Bobby, Robert, and Andrew go up there. They meet at least Zach Harrison. They sell this bike. Andrew and Robert come back to Keys, and then Bobby himself goes over to the Gans, and then he ends up meeting up with Zach Harrison's brother Chris. And like you've already said, in 2017, Zach murdered a, murdered a guy. His name was Robert Holtzclaw, H-O-L-T-S-C-L-A-W, and he was on the run. Um, and Zach was on the run. Was he eventually caught? He was. He was caught in um, June of 2018. So just like four months ago. So he was on the run, and in fact, I think you told me that he wasn't even really, you know, he was kind of hiding in plain sight. He wasn't, like, caught in, like, New Jersey. He was caught right in the area where he was living. Okay. To your knowledge, uh, since Zach um, was captured in June, do you know, being that, you know, you've been, obviously, like you said, just you have nice things to say about Humboldt County, do you know if Zach has been asked about Bobby's disappearance? Um, I know he's been spoke to. I don't know the extent of what was asked. Um, I do know that he uh, confirmed that he bought the bike. Okay. So after all these years, that mystery, although we, it seems like a bigger deal now, now that we know who he is, we didn't know, um, you didn't know how it was connected or not, but now you know who the buyer is and, Certainly does look at least a little suspicious, but you now know that. I do need to ask you this, and we're going to um, talk about a few more things that are, you know, strange about the Harrison family. Um, do you have any idea why they call that particular area Murder Mountain? Um, I don't understand it. It started like like years ago. Um, there's actually, I think, a book written about it or something. I haven't read it though. Um, but I think over the years, it kind of got that um, kind of ominous, you know, negative content because so many people have been missing from that area. Mm-hmm. They do. But I don't think that was the original reason that it was called that, though. Okay, so you, you believe that it started to be called Murder Mountain well before uh, this rash of uh, disappearances that seem to occur in Humboldt County, and that is true because I've, I've – 
back when we did the uh, Jeff Joseph episode, I had obviously looked at all those disappearances up there, but you think this Murder Mountain name occurred before that? Yeah, I think that was years, years, years ago. Uh, okay, very good. Let's talk about the Harrison family a little more. In fact, they, years ago, they had a disappearance in their own family. Who was it and what happened? Um, well, my understanding is that their mother um, had disappeared uh, and hadn't been missing for a couple months before she was found. Um, she was found deceased. Okay, so she went missing. She was found deceased ever. No, do we have any idea if she was murdered or did she die from the elements or was it suicide? Do you know? Um, I don't think that it's known. Um, okay. I couldn't find anything that said. And when I inquired, um, I was told it. I think it was like undetermined. Okay. And then Chris and Zach's father, I don't have his name written down here, but he, he, he killed a guy, didn't he? Well, that, that's what people say. Um, mm -hmm. I was told, though, that it was a, a, like a, a brutal altercation between him and another man, and then mm -hmm. the other man couldn't live. Okay. And in fact, uh, the father claimed self-defense and never did spend any time in jail. Uh, that's what I have heard. Mm -hmm. I don't know the specifics. You don't know the specifics of uh, what actually happened, but um, that is the belief. We're not saying that the father murdered anybody. You know, he wanted you know revenge or anything like. But. Um, he was closely connected to a guy that died, and it might have been self-defense. Um, when Zach Harrison was finally caught, and like you said, he was asked about the motorcycle and everything, uh, did the police have the opportunity after they caught Zach to go back and talk to Chris about any of this? Did they have the opportunity to do that? No. And why not? Because Chris Harrison committed suicide in uh, October of 2017. So the guy that said that Bobby, the guy that picked uh, Bobby up allegedly at Dustin Gann's place, the guy that says that Bobby uh, walked off, he was hallucinating on acid, committed suicide in October 2017. Um, there was a note left. Please tell... The listeners, as much as you can, as much as you're comfortable, about finding out that he committed suicide and this note that he allegedly left. Yeah, um, we we haven't been able to have a copy of the note, so I don't know specifically what's in the note. I only know little pieces that have been told to me. Mm -hmm. um, but he basically in the note uh, admitted that he had killed Larry. And um, huh. so I, I don't believe there was technically an apology in the note. Um, he he does say that he, you know, I don't know how to explain it. He um, tells in the note that he, uh, where he supposedly put him. Mm -hmm. But it's not like specific and clear. And it's, my understanding is it's very big. Big area. All right, and we're not we're not going to say where that exactly is, but it's on a piece of property that's probably fairly wooded and several acres. Correct. Yeah, and he wasn't very specific about that. Um, but 
the rumor, once again, you've not seen the note, but uh, maybe through backdoor channels or something like that, it is believed that, I'm going to ask you this again, even though you've said it, that he allegedly claims that he murdered Bobby back on January 19th, 2009. That's correct. Wow. Do you know, um, has anybody, uh, once again, any reporter or anybody in Chris Harris and Zach Harrison's family given any reasons why Chris committed suicide, uh, anything like that? No, there's um, been nothing mentioned about it. I mean, there wasn't even, I mean, there was no news article or anything like that about it when it happened. Maybe it hadn't been for um, the detective telling me that he, you know, had been found deceased, they wouldn't even have known. Right. Right. When did you, I mean, did you find out like the day after they found Chris Harrison dead or did it take uh, like a month or something to find out that he committed suicide? I mean, how do you remember it? I mean, that was only like a year ago now. What do you remember? Um, it was actually probably about four, four days later, I believe. Okay. And um, someone had went on Facebook and posted that what they posted was actually that um, he had been murdered and left in the woods, but it, that was false information. Mm-hmm. Um, turned out, you know, I contacted the detective who then called me and then said, confirmed that yes, he'd been found deceased and that it was suicide. Wow. So, um, of course, once again, we have the note, but so a guy who, one way or the other, I mean, whatever happened to Bobby, uh, one of the last guys to see Bobby is no longer with us. And so that's one less witness. You know, that can be continued to be questioned and and searched, you know, forever. You know, so this is. Yeah. That's right. Uh, I guess what I'm saying is if this disappearance is going to be solved, you're going to have to do it without Chris Harrison. Correct. Um, are there is there anything going on in your family, whether from Bobby's mother or anybody else, who are trying to um, get to see the full note that Chris wrote? Um, I inquired um, if we could have a copy because I'm aware that um, Trinity County, which is where he was found deceased, released oh. a copy of the note to his sister. Um, I had um, asked the detective handling Bobby's case, if our family could have a copy and was told that it is entered as evidence and that we would not be able to have a copy of it until the case was adjudicated, which means solved. Uh, or we would have to petition the court and that they may or may not give us a copy. So um, I then later had me actually ended up through a news article about Zach, saw his one of his sisters was making comments, and so I had commented to her, mm-hmm. and then the, her older sister had messaged back and allowed me to contact her privately, mm-hmm. uh, and I had asked her for a copy of the note, but she told me she no longer had the note. See, so, you, so you've actually been in contact. Uh, excuse, I, I apologize. Please say that again. She said she had thrown the note away, and so she couldn't share that with us. Okay. So you've actually had some conversations with Chris and Zach's, at least one of his sisters, a couple of sisters. 
can't hear that too. Um, so yeah, you can. I mean, you can say they were conversations, but they were very short. Okay. Um, basically, what had happened, um, the private conversation with the older sister was more or less she just sent me screenshots of a email conversation or private message conversation conversation she had with someone else mm-hmm. um, who had emailed her and asked her a bunch of questions. So she just forwarded that. It was more or less like that you read what they had said to each other. So it wasn't like an open dialogue that was going back and forth. Okay. So just understand that you wanted a qu- series of questions answered and she really didn't specifically answer them. She just gave you conversations she had with somebody else. Correct. Okay. Okay. Um, have he, any of these people in here in Zach or Chris's family um, expressed the idea that they believe that Chris could have done something to Bobby? Did did the sisters uh, in, in so many words? I mean, I know what the note says, but you haven't seen it. So that doesn't help. You know, we don't know. Um, but the sisters themselves who have seen the note, do they believe that Chris did something to Bobby? Do you know? Um, I don't think the younger sister knew anything about Bobby because she was really young. Um, okay. She actually had said that to me you know, on the, the internet news article where it messaged her. But um, Sarah, I don't really know what they said. I do know they were asked, um, or at least the younger sister was asked if she knew why or what reason he would have to, to harm him. And, um, I mean, I don't know that she necessarily knows for certain, but I think she, she has to, she, she had said that there was a possibility that he may have harmed Bobby as a way to get back at someone else for their involvement and their mom's disappearance. But that didn't make any sense to me at all. Nothing. I mean, nothing that you, once again, you've been working on this for years you don't know that Bobby could have ever been connected to anything like that, right? Yeah, no. No. Like, no. I don't, it didn't make any sense at all. Yeah. And like I said, when, when I inquired about what actually had happened to her mom, the, the, you know, law enforcement scene, like, mm. she had, my understanding is she had a history with some drug issues and things like that. And mm-hmm. maybe, I don't believe it was looked at as anything other than their mother okay their mother who disappeared and a few months later she was found deceased um we don't know um if she was murdered suicide we just don't know and uh law enforcement law enforcement didn't seem to think it was no. anything to do with murder like it didn't yeah, okay. they, they, they didn't okay Again, i don't know i don't know any of the facts about any of that Okay, um, let's go back to the note for a second. When the, the when the police said that you know they're not going to allow you to take a look at the note because it's being used in evidence in a case. Uh, when they say that, do they mean the case of Bobby's disappearance, or do they mean that in the case of uh, Zach murdering a guy? What case do you think they mean? They're 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 meaning Bobby's case. The case they're meaning Bobby's case. Too. Okay, because. Yeah, because I should mention that um, as far as the timeline goes, 
Uh, Chris committed suicide in October of 2017. Well, it was just the month before, in September of 2017, when Zach murdered Robert Holtzclaw. So, so it could be seen, you know, it could, I'm just going to theorize here, which I don't like to do too much, you know, but could it be that maybe Chris had something to do with Robert's uh, murder and then he felt guilt about it? killed himself or maybe found out that Zach did it, thought he might be called as a witness, or maybe Chris was just committed suicide because he was depressed or he was into drugs or something. We don't know. I have no idea. Right. But it is, I have to say, as far as the timeline goes, it is fairly strange that his brother murders somebody, goes on the run, and then the next month the other brother commits suicide. So it would seem to me that it's connected somehow, but I don't know how. What effect has this had um, on your family, Tammy, since this happened in 2009? Um, it sounds to me like you are close with Bobby's mother and maybe you know his siblings or his children. Uh, what has the last nine years been like? Um, honestly, it's changed, I think, all of us a lot. I mean, I think you, you look at people differently. You, you know, you question things a little differently, you know, you find through the years that people you thought were good friends aren't really as good friends as you thought they were. <laughs> Our lives changed a lot when, when he disappeared. Um, you know, it's like missing a piece of you, you know, mm-hmm. someone who's been a staple in your, your youth and, and your entire life really, and all of a sudden he's gone. You know, he's a, you know, I don't know how to explain it real big, you know, without getting upset about it, but our lives all changed because he, you know, he disappeared and then, you know, his girlfriend moved away out of state with his kids. So it's not even like the younger younger ones aren't even here. Like we did. You lose the opportunity to to share basically the rest of your life with with your family members, but then you lose his children too because their lives changed. You know, they're not, whereas, like, they would have still been here. If he was here, they would have been here. Right. So it's just like a trickle-down effect for the whole family. Um, it's hard. You know, people want to ask you, you know, about him still to this day. You know, they'll ask. And it's always difficult because it's just a constant reminder that he's not coming back. You know, my aunt still to this day can't talk about him without just crying. Yeah. It's, it's difficult. And then you you have like all this information and you can't you still miss that one piece to play together. Yeah. Right. That's I think that's a good way to put it. You have all this information, but you're still missing that piece of information that can make this at least a little bit go away. Of course, probably think that maybe Bobby isn't with us anymore. I mean, hold out hope, maybe something ha- you know, where he's out there, but that piece of information that maybe can solve this just nine years, no answers. I just wish one of them would have a heart and just, even if they had to do it anonymously, tell somebody where they put him. Mm-hmm. He doesn't belong there. I'd like to bring his remains home to my aunt and put an end to all of it. Do you believe that Zach Harrison knows what happened to Bobby? Honestly, I think they all know. Whether 
they weren't directly involved mm. or indirectly. They, they at least knew after the fact what happened to him. Okay. And I just wish one of them would be a decent person and say something. Do you think that the police have thought about, once again, since Zach was finally tracked down, and I know he's uh, been charged with some, some serious offenses, and I don't think that, I don't know if he's pleading not guilty, I don't know what the status uh, is of him right now, whether there's going to be a trial, whatever, but do you think that um, the guy who is working, or a woman, I don't know if it's which, but the detective that's working on... Bobby's disappearance, maybe you give Zach a little bit of a break if he does know something. Has that ever been brought up being done? Yeah, there's, no, there's been no mention about. Okay, well, maybe there's a thought. Maybe that's possible because Chris isn't with us anymore, and I personally am inclined to believe that if Zach Harrison murdered a guy, if that's exactly if actually what happened last year, then I'm very open to the idea that he at least – knows something about Bobby's disappearance. Um, you know, that there's still that possibility that a living person can help, you know, somebody who knows something, you know, and has a reason maybe at least to talk a little bit, maybe to get a little um, break on the long sentence that he's going to be serving. That's just a thought, just a, something to think about. Maybe the next time you talk to your detective. Um, do you have a Facebook page or anything like that set up? For uh, Bobby, Tammy. Yeah, um, I don't actually, not Facebook page, but it is uh, Find Robert Tennyson. Okay. And who does, do you know who does run it? Uh, yeah, it was a friend of my aunt. Okay, good. All right, well, that's fine too. So um, find Robert Tennyson, and once again, that's his. We've been referring him to as Bobby, but Robert, of course, is his real name. But we wanted to keep it easy for this interview, being that his son is also named Robert. So, all right, um, I will make sure that uh, people go there, check that out, and share it, and start following it. Uh, Tammy, um, any final words before we complete this interview? No, um, I guess I think I already said what, what mm -hmm. I didn't need to say. Just wish that you know someone could find it somewhere in themselves to share what they do know, so that this could be closed at least. Okay, all right, Tammy, and I want to thank uh, Vicky Joseph for I think she was the one that kind of directed you my way. Is that is that correct? Uh, I, yeah, I'd actually met her through Facebook. You know, mm -hmm. unfortunately, we shared similar uh, right. experiences. That's right, you and, do. Uh, that's how I met her. That's right, you do. Yeah. Okay. I really like Vicky. Um, haven't talked to her recently, but uh, I, I, she's one of my favorite guests, and I appreciate her uh, pointing you in my direction. And I hope Unfound uh, can help in some way. And Tammy, I appreciate you being on this episode of Unfound. Right, I appreciate you allowing us to share Bobby's story. Tammy, you're very welcome. And that was my interview with Tammy Langford, cousin of Bobby Tennyson. I appreciate her joining me and all of you on this episode. And I need to thank Vicki, sister of Jeff Joseph, who told Tammy about Unfound. I hate to sound like a broken record on these types of cases, but I continue to be astounded in these cases where drugs are at least on the periphery, 
that friends seem to make friends disappear. Or at the very least, these friends who see the missing person last come up with testimony that doesn't make a lot of sense. Plus, they don't want to take lie detector tests, they don't take part in any searches, they don't arrange searches themselves. Is this really how all of us would react if one of our own friends went missing? Definitely not. So, we have a suicide note where Chris claims responsibility for Bobby's disappearance, but the areas where he claims he put Bobby have been searched and nothing has been found. We have Zach, the brother who is actually a murderer, but no one has put Zach at Chris's on the night Bobby disappeared. We have Bobby allegedly needing to collect a debt and maybe also picking up some marijuana, but he leaves his bag at Virginia Gans. And we have three guys who traveled five hours to sell a motorcycle. You really mean they couldn't find someone in Keys to buy it? It's not like they were trying to sell an expensive rare Corvette. And the guy Bobby knew just happened to be a future murderer. Meaning nothing quite adds up. And maybe that's the point. That's the reason the area is known as Murder Mountain. If everything up there in that area of Northern California made sense, it wouldn't have that name. With that, I'll leave the rest of the theorizing up to you. And that's the program. If you found it informative, please go to the app that you use to listen to Unfound and give this podcast a nice review. I thank you for listening. I'm Ed Denzel, and you've been listening to Unfound.